Welcome to the Weak Links episode. This is something that ATG focuses on a lot. Keegan will start us off with this topic. Weak links. The biggest weak link that I see for coaches, for athletes, for everyone is low expectations of self. So where this shows up in the training is you accept pain and you're just like, I'm just going to have this pain forever and this is it. Or I'm just going to be slow. These were two of the things that I accepted about myself. My father actually told me at one stage, like, you're always going to be slow, but at least you can have good endurance. Um, and, and he was, you know, someone who was in professional sports. And that was the dominant paradigm at the time. The speed is genetic and you're not fast. So you're not going to be fast. And I was like 15 at the time. I'd barely, you know, started going through puberty. And then a few years later, I had discovered strength training and I became one of the fastest at the state level pushing for national teams. And it was through weight training. And so that's why I have so much belief in weight training. But unfortunately, I didn't understand concepts like building strength from the ground up. I didn't understand concepts like, you know, bringing massive blood flow into an area with the short range, long range. Uh, I was buying into some of the philosophy of don't stretch because it's going to make you slower. You know, people were talking about those concepts way back in, in those days as well as, you know, over 20 years ago. But people were saying, if your muscles get tighter, then you're going to be faster. You're going to be more elastic. And so that definitely contributed to the tendon problems that I had. I had my first tendon issue at 10 years old, and I pretty much just accepted I'm always going to have tendon issues. I had the the one in the heel, in the growth plate of the heel. I had that for years and then knees. And so I would say the biggest thing that needs to change and the thing that I love most about working with athletes and working with coaches is just looking at, well, what is the reality? What are the, what are the, the facts about the situation? And then how can we make an impact on that? Like, how can we increase the expectations for the future? And I think that's what ATG has done for so many people is it's changed the expectation where the expectation now is to be able to train full out, to be able to go to dunk practice and put everything into every jump. Um, that change in expectations for me is the biggest thing. And then everything in terms of the details, like the obstacle has to give way once you've chosen the outcome that you've, that you've uh, you want for the future. That's the opener for me. That's amazing. So basically, nothing has to just stay a weak link. If you're just not a good jumper, if you have weak quads, if you have tight ham, nothing has to just stay a weak link. And then Marcel will go next. And Marcel is, I would really say, the king of no weak links in ATG. Like, he's the only person I've seen with my own eyes do, you know, trap three raises with the weight that Charles Poliquin says you should actually be able to do. And as a tennis player, that's his background. He's really tried to be a master of not just the legs. Like I can just jump and, and dunk and be happy, but he has to have it all. So Marcel, what's your opinion on this, this whole subject of weak links? I mean, heck, you've knocked them all out in yourself. So what's going on here? So I came to you as a client initially to play tennis professionally. And I did so for about two years and Tennis is a very rotational sport. So it for at least for me as a tennis player specifically, I favored my forehand a lot. And the serve is done with your predominant hand. You're serving hundreds of times in a match. So you really develop one side over the other a lot more. And to this day, we did a little exercise on the last L2 where we had a baseball player. And Ben Clairfield instructed all the coaches that were attending to actually feel his spinal erectors. And you could tell from all the rotation of his throwing and his batting, one side was clearly more developed than the other. And so 
So this is what goes on at the L2, spewing of the erectors, is what I'm getting <laughs> here. Okay, not all the time, not all the time. But when we have the opportunity to give someone full understanding on what it means to be in balance, we will take advantage. As long as the other person's willing, let's just say that. But it's so true that in a sport like tennis, the imbalances are insane. So go on. Right. So I came to you with quite a lot of imbalances. You know, my right arm was a lot more developed than my left. My, you know, left side was a lot weaker than my right legs as well. So the information that I'm sure Ben Clarefield's going to talk about a lot because he worked the most out of all of us with Charles Poliquin is we have this information that was presented by him in a way that if you put the structures closer, as close to balance as possible, your athletic expression improves. And so me having so many imbalances when I started, that became a real focus to me just as an athlete. I wanted to get as athletic as possible. So I had to address all my weak links because there were many. And I just sort of obsessed with this over the course of these five years. And I've done pretty well now to even things out. But with this approach of attacking areas, which and by attacking, I just mean like training and focusing on these areas that aren't up to par as other areas in the body and bringing them to balance. It really allows you to be more athletic and for me on the court and all of my issues as an athlete resolved as a result. So that's that's been something that's been highlighted in the ATG since the beginning, addressing these weak areas. And I've seen not just within myself, but the people that do apply it to themselves and work on these different muscles that maybe were neglected over time, their athleticism also improves. So this topic of addressing weak links is something that will benefit a lot of people if they come to an understanding of it, and hopefully they can improve their athleticism as well. Sweet, sweet. So Ben Clairfield, out of all of us, worked the most directly with Charles Poliquin, and Charles introduced this idea of structural balance. It's it's not just being able to bench squat and deadlift. There's other lifts and you don't just do them to just do a few reps at the end of a workout. Like you actually have to be a certain amount of strength relative to your main lifts. So Ben Clairfield, you wanna help introduce this topic? Absolutely. I think uh, I'm gonna outline a few layers of how we get to this. And I think the most important thing is connected to what Keegan said, which I love, which is we have to have a paradigmatic approach where we believe and we can listen to our athletes and clients that believe in this core tenet, which is the ability that we can change, that we can take something and with intellectual honesty and a coach's eye or an athlete's eye that can see a weak link, address it by saying this, these three things are things you need to work on and they're not up to par. And if we work on them, AKA attack them and train them, they will be not only up to par, but beyond par. So. So that's the magic of it. So these are the layers. First, you have to believe you can change. Second, you have to have an intellectual honesty and a correct eye that can address and assess those things. And then, you know, and then after that, you have to have a plan of how we will address those things and find those weak links. So the magic of what Charles showed me and we've, uh, you know, I, you know, Ben and I, and we've, we've, we've worked on this and put it in a way that is, you know, in some ways accessible to more people, um, with layers of abilities of adequate to athletic to freakish. And the, I think the magic of what Charles taught me was you're not so special. A knee is just a knee. Uh, you're not. And we talked about this in the other, 
you know, call, uh, uh, podcasts where we discuss people's identities of being, I'm a bad knee person. I'm a bad back person. Keegan as an athlete was, well, I'm a slow and, you know, you know, you know, not so strong, but Hey, I can keep on coming because I have endurance. These definitional things that we do that lock us into patterns that seem to be that it's like the fates have given us that and there's nothing we can do about that. So we have to break that. And the way we break that is we have these numbers. So we have these numbers that can start to be tools where we can address those things that are not accordingly balanced with the other things. And that's the really cool thing about ATG and what we've done, which is with the various methodologies with the short range, long range, and being very, very um, almost religious about actually taking the weak link stuff seriously. And I think, you know, on, and on the flip side, I'll just say is there's a beyond that where people start to realize like it, no one would ever say on the planet that you're a weak knee guy, Ben. Yeah. But you were, but, but you were. Yeah. So, so that definitional nature of who you were, you've actually changed that. You're not that you're the opposite of that. You are Mr. Knee guy, literally the knee guy yeah. where it's the most bulletproof, amazing knees, call it what you will, whatever, you know, superlatives we want to call it. We could say your knees are pretty goddamn good, but you have to do exactly what I outlined. You have to believe that there's a possibility for change, assess and address them properly. And then follow the recipe with the various numbers and realize that you're not so special. And then you can ask these things. And the same thing with Keegan. Keegan's mobility and his strength, like it's phenomenal. Marcel, you know, I've trained with Marcel. It's, it's phenomenal with Ben. Now, I look forward to the day where we can train with Keegan. You know, for myself, I, I came at it with blown up needs. Like Charles Poliquin said, these are the numbers you have to chase so that you do that. And by doing that, I also so happen to have done pretty good things with my upper body, just following the numbers that Charles taught. So that's, I think that's the thing. And I think the thing is that what our numbers allow people to do, the way we built it, is that people follow that and it actually allows them to change their conception of themselves. And then they look at the numbers and there's an objective number out there. Again, we did it. We're putting it together in a way that, you know, is it arbitrary? It's not arbitrary. It follows Charles. And we've seen various data points that we have so that we put together the recipe or the plan. Are there other ways of doing it? Of course. But we think our recipe is pretty good. So you plug in what your weak link is. And at some point people realize that they've come and they've had knee surgeries that I always ask in the L2s and all that kind of stuff that at the ATG camps, who's had knee surgery? And more often than not, it's more than half the people had a knee surgery. But you wouldn't know it without the move. But in their head, I've had to talk to them and coach them through that. Marcel and I had to do that. Ben is, hey, look, you're not a bad knee person. Your knees are good now. Actually, they're really good. Actually, they're in the top, I don't know, 0.001% in the world of what they're capable of. But a lot of people still have this conception that they're bad knee people and they know transition to the next weak link. So a lot of the ATG coaches that we've coached, Marcel, I think you'll notice this, their split squats are phenomenal. The weights that they can lift on the split squats are phenomenal, but their squats are garbage. Not range of motion, but they're weak on that because in their head, they've obsessed on the thing that they're not good at. But with the calculator, they can say, oh, my split squats are adequate for now. Next, I have to go and pursue the other thing that I'm weak on. And you can continually do that, but allows for intellectual honesty and a certain objectivism that doesn't allow you to just do the random thing that you think you are. Or on the flip side, I'm going to finish with this for this long-winded point, my apologies. We can get people to start to realize that they shouldn't obsess only over the thing that they like to do, that they should start working on the things that they need to do. And that's, I think, great coaching. Great coaching is not just doing the thing that your client or athlete wants to do. It's doing the thing that they need. And this metric and this tool set that we have, that what we're doing, we built it, we're building it, is an ability for a coach to say, hey, look, I know you like this thing over there and we're not going to take it out, 
but it's now time to address this thing because that's going to be better for you. And that's value, I think, in a way that I don't think a lot of programs do. A lot of people just give the person what they want or random other stuff. Anyway, that's sorry for the long-winded, but I wanted to outline it later. That's the point of a podcast is to be long. This is this goes so much deeper than just a 60-second social media video. So for me, I think of weak links in the first layer just being, we have to go on the idea that the human body was made to work right. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to be just life in the clouds, but... A human body wasn't designed to just, oh yeah, this body just has jumper's knee. This body will just never, other bodies will jump, this body won't jump. Well, why? What's the difference here? What, what's the weak link going into that jump? Or someone who just run, 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 and they have runner's knee, and then we see that having them like, oh my gosh, I just started backward sledding and my knee pain of six years went away. That's cool, but that's really just the, the first layer is the idea that you're not just destined to have bad knees there's there's certain missing things so like what's being done what's been done on this body and then what are the missing sort of opposites the the weak link so that's where the weak link bringing up the weak link the first layer to me is just opening the door to being able to perform without pain we say pain free sets the gains free and and you guys have all gotten to train with me in person and see that it's not like I just do this for one video and then I'm like, all right, I'm out, guys. I got to rest the rest of the week. <laughs> we're actually in person. We're a lot crazier actually than what you see online. Like we're like, like basketball. And then the next day, like Ben Clearfield and I had to teach like, and Marcel had to teach like six squat seminars, play basketball, throwing down jams on the weekend and then teach and then squat another six times in two days. So Ben Clearfield had knee surgeries. I had knee surgeries. We squatted 12 times in six days. And in between that, I'm throwing down dunks as if nothing's ever happened to my knees. That comes from the first layer being just training the opposites of the jump, the weak links of the jump. But the next layer then going into, well, not only can you perform like the people out there performing, but why do some people run faster? Why do some people jump higher? So this is the, to me, this is the next layer of it. If you look at all the sprinters line up for the hundred meters at the Olympics, they're pretty dang similar. So why did I grow up thinking that I that you can't teach speed? Well, th those bodies are pretty similar. Meanwhile, every good powerlifting coach, if you went to them, they're not going to look at an able-bodied person and say, sorry, you're never going to bench more than 135 pounds. Never. A good powerlifting coach is going to know how to make you stronger. And to me, that's kind of where the strength training industry left off for sports performance and has gone down chasing a lot of butterflies and random drills and sometimes just sticking with the power of thing stuff, but not coming up with the system of what if you want to throw harder without your shoulder breaking down and throw faster? What if you want to run faster? What if you want to jump higher? What if you want to jump higher off one foot? What if you want to jump higher from a standstill? So this to me is where the next point of weak links comes in is that you can train those things. That doesn't mean I'm going to be Usain Bolt but I can be more like Usain Bolt just through strength training and just by mimicking the weak links that I would have compared to that body. So if, if I took my body naturally compared to Usain Bolt's, instantly you're going to see a huge difference in the hamstrings, and that's not going to be covered just with the bench squat deadlift. I'm not going to become more like Usain Bolt just with the bench squat deadlift, not to mention if you look at his upper body, well, if I'm just pressing here all the time, his body is built much more with shoulders, and then you look back at Charles Pollock and shoulder numbers and you have that realization, wow, 
less than 1% of the guys in the gym would be able to do Charles Colquin shoulder numbers, probably less than 1% of 1%. So it's still just strength training, but you're now able to put in and create a body that can do the activities it wants to do without breaking down and that has potential to get a lot more athletic. So I think of the, I think of the weak links with extreme optimism that even someone who thinks they're slower, thinks they can't jump or these kind of things, you can break down why. And do you just not have the juice to jump or do your knees break down when you jump or both? You can handle both of those things with measurements. So maybe as we go through again now, maybe we can break down some of our, our favorite measurements. And it could be from our simple stuff. Like to give a quick background, here's my long-winded one, is in ATG, we think of things as certain standards. An example would be like for your rotator cuff, like 10% of your body weight. That's because if I'm training a baseball player who's had a shoulder surgery and thinks they'll never throw again, and if they can only, if their bench press is totally pathetic, then being structurally balanced to that pathetic bench press doesn't necessarily allow them to throw. So like for a, for a male body, 10% of your body weight, you should be able to do eight strict reps, four seconds down. Most people can't do that when they start, but as we've seen, most people can definitely get there and beyond. But now as you go beyond, that's where we start to apply structural balance. Like we're not trying to just balance up someone weak on this side versus weak. I don't want to balance weak quads versus weak hamstrings. That's why we have standards just to ensure like that there are no weak or tight links in the body from that basis. Now, if you're going to go farther, now you might have to have even more responsibility to understand structural balance numbers. So that's kind of the background. And now with all of us, you could go over maybe some of the things you've done in your own body or with athletes that apply to this concept of weak links. But in terms of the first round, we kind of went over it more theoretically, but maybe now just like some more specific numbers that we've used. 10 by 10 squat is a nice one. You know, that's something that Charles popularized. I don't like timing rest periods. So, you know, I came up with the dense thing. I think it makes more sense. CrossFit really brought it to the world that the idea of not timing rest periods, but timing the time between the start of sets rather than, you know, and I, I like that method. So the 10 by 10 squat on the minute is a nice one. It's one to transform your body, mind, and soul. And you're talking about full squats, meaning you're correcting the weakness below parallel. Yeah, it, co it corrects many weaknesses. It corrects the weakness of thinking that you're training hard when you're not really training hard as well. Once you get serious about 10 by 10 squats, then everything else falls into place and perspective. And there is that structural element to everything that we're talking about, but there's also the psychological element of the things like you've spoken about there. Like, I remember you doing five minutes of Nordics. I don't, I don't know if you still remember, but you did you did five minutes of Nordics when I- Every time that's, you kind of challenged and we got like 50 plus Nordics in five minutes or something. I was like, man, what is like- I can't even imagine this. Like, who is this guy? I think I'd seen one athlete do like sketchy Nordics before I came to to your gym. Like, um, well, I had, yeah, Trey Williams who'd ran a 10, 10, meters. He, he could do, you know, some some decent Nordics. And then I saw you banging out better reps than than he was. And then, and I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. But a lot of people haven't trained super hard and it is good to get that experience. When you go to a training camp and you get with a coach, uh, and you train hard at stuff that is going to make you better. Like anyone can just train hard and destroy themselves. I'm not talking about just doing, you know, five hours of burpees. Like that's got its place as well. But I really like the 10 by 10 squat as a leg builder, uh, but also as saying that gets you in touch with 
hard work. And so 50% of body weight on that 10 by 10 squat, you know, flat loaded, same weight for all sets. 50% of body weight is like a really achievable level, but it means you've got a good level of baseline conditioning. Like if the average, you know, dad or 16 year old athlete here is sort of looking at a target of sort of getting in the game, then I think half body weight is a place to go to. You know, two thirds is pretty good. Three quarters is, is you know, you, you're actually trained at that point. Like it's it's decent. If you can do body weight uh, for 10 by 10 on the minute, then you, you're uh, you're in a pretty good place in terms of conditioning. And you, you're going to find that your physique changes as you do that. A lot of people talk about physique being led by diet. Just get your diet right and your body will look good. In my experience, when you increase strength and tolerance to volume, then your body will, will transform. And I think you've seen that with the dance program. Like so many people have had ridiculously good body transformations with dance. And the, the 10 by 10 is a, a basis uh, for that. It's also quite a safe way to get a lot of volume into the knees and quads. It can be therapeutic because there's so much volume. And particularly for beginners, we use the slam fork. And this was yeah. the concept of applying classic Charles Poliquin 10 sets, but getting it in in 10 minutes on the slam board is a, is a classic dense workout and people grow VMOs on that. But I, I think Keegan just brought up a really huge point. And that's why I love these podcasts. They bring up important points is there's a lot of different ways you could describe ATG, but a really good way he just described, which is basically training your weak links hard, not just like, oh, now I have to do this band drill in the corner to, no, 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 like training your weak links hard. That's why he was saying when he came into ATG to, to train with me and visited Florida, like all of us could do Nordics and our whole staff is like dunking machines. Now we won't win records right now for bench squat deadlift, but we're almost all world-class strong in these smaller areas, mostly because we became really passionate about playing pain-free. But I think this is good to get into the numbers because the idea is not to have a weak bench squat deadlift. I would suggest looking up a Don Lopez, who we'll definitely have on the podcast, Bulletproof Backman. We're super tight with him, and he just cleaned 400 pounds the other day. And he's like a, he's like probably 6'3", 225, shredded, cleaned 400 pounds, deadlift 600 plus pounds. Uh, Keegan's hitting his highest squats ever. Ben Clairfield is squatting like double body weight, ass to grass as a, how, how old are you, Ben? Well, 42. 42, like ass grass, double body weight is insane. Behind the neck presses, like, like killer weight, dips in chin. Super. Marcel, what's your weighted chin up number? For six, I'm doing 90 pounds for a single. And he does strict reps, six, strict six reps, half body weight loaded chin ups. For a single, I'm also doing 154 pounds. And, and if I had a gun to your head, how much would you rotate her? for eight reps gun to my head between 15 to 20 percent <laughs> right I, so I would make it happen i would make you're it talking happen. like upper one percent of the one percent of the one percent in rotator cuff strength so the, the point is that i'm not atg i'm just an example and i'm really happy to be able i like i want to be able to dunk forever and i think when i push myself to the limit i actually have much higher strength levels than i used to even on brute force at that mark bell's gym i like he set up like a uh, trap bar thing which is of course easier but i did 475 pounds and it's not an exercise that i train i'm sure that i wouldn't have been near that with my legs and back prior to atg so i really love what came out of this already is that atg means even training your weak links hard but it doesn't mean not being strong in the other stuff and in fact the people who push the other stuff we see them the bobsledders we train 
they break their power clean record. They break their squat records. So it, it can actually be ATG training your weaklings hard can open up doors of whatever physical pursuit you're trying to have, which I see for Keegan is amazing how he's squatting as he's getting older, running in person. He was jumping with us, grabbing the rim. So I guess we go to Marcel now, but maybe you can go into this. You know, I like where this is going is that it's not like, yes, I have my, I have my tip bar here and it helps illustrate what a weak link is, but this is not, this is not the extent of what ATG is. So go ahead, Marcel. So what's interesting, I, I want to touch on the topic that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, which is that, you know, the body was designed pretty correctly. And it's just that we happen to give it a stimulus in which it tends to go off balance. So we, we address weak links, right? And people maybe think like, oh, an external rotator, you're only going to push about 20 pounds, 15 pounds, thereabouts. But what ends up happening is, is that when you start to address these weak links, the body starts to get imbalanced in such a way that now you can express more in your stronger lifts because all of the supporting structures in the area tend to then contribute to the lift in the way that they're supposed to. So as you get your weak link stronger, you then start to notice, oh, wait, my, my squat's going up. And I haven't been squatting or, you know, you start to address things in the upper body and like, oh, my, my bench press is going up, but I haven't been bench pressing, which Charles Poliquin did this all the time. He would write programs for bench pressing and they would never bench press in the first phase. Exactly. So like for me, I would have to say I've been really dialed in, in addressing my weak links, probably the past year and a half. And what I find is as I get one weak link addressed, I then start to see improvements in other lifts. And Ben Clearfield was mentioning it to me like, hey, your squat's looking a lot tighter. You're holding your position a lot better. I haven't like I squat once a week, but what I've been addressing, let's say specifically in this example, I've been addressing my lower back, which historically, you know, has been weaker than my legs. My back extension was weak. My seated good morning was trash. My RDL was garbage. So now I'm addressing these areas and it's translating to a even better squat. So I want to encourage people to focus on addressing these weak links because their return is such that it supports your strong lifts as well and with very minimal input into the strong lift. So that's really what's been working for me these, this past year and a half is that by dogmatically just going into the gym with the mentality of I'm going to attack these weak areas as much as I don't want to face them, I then get a lot of benefit back in other stronger areas. And that's what I've been doing the past year and a half, really like focusing on. Beautiful. Clarefield? Yeah. And, and I think that's the realization. I think, you know, this conversation is fundamentally about us having lived and done the process and seeing the benefits of the recipe and saying, hey, put off that thing that you really like because you're good at and do these things that you might not like and that you're not so good at. And we promise that in the future, that thing that you like will be even better. But it's a hard psychological pill to swallow, right? It's, it's you know, it's like anything. It's like deferred gratification. And at the end of the day, I say this, what we sell, what we coach, what we teach is the anti-modern pill. It, it's the 
opposite of the one-click Amazon show up, get it right now type thing. We say, I mean, we're in the car. I was in the car with Ben and he was saying, you know, like everyone thinks that my story is really cool. It's true. Your story is really cool. It's like, and anyone can do it. You know what you really need to do is you need to make sure that you have blasted knees, have three knee surgeries, and then spend eight years trying to master these things that you really suck at. Go ahead. Go put that on social media and see your account blow up. But but you can't fake that, right? Like that's the intellectual honesty where you say, I really suck at these things. I am going to figure out how much I suck and be brutally honest with myself, with the coach's eye or with help. And you got help from Charles and then you saw it and did it. He says, this is where you suck. This is where you can do better. You say, okay, I'm going to spend however long it takes to perfect those things so that now what a magical, magical gift you've given yourself by pursuing this, you know, and say, okay, now I'm those weak links that were the bane of my existence and definitional are now things that everyone looks at me and I'm world famous for what a magical, amazing thing. And that's what we're sort of saying in, in many different ways. Hey, look, we have a recipe saying it's the only one, but it's a pretty good one that's helped all of us and helped a ton of different athletes and clients and old, young, you know, general population, super athletes, whatever, world famous, super rich, poor, whatever, all that kind of stuff. And, and we're saying, look, like, look through this lens, apply these methods with intellectual honesty, and you'll, the, it, the investment in it and the dividends that you get are exponentially more than just working on the fun stuff you like. And that's, I guess that, that's the message. And that's, I, I I don't know. I think it's pretty magical, but I think it's also a lesson that sort of carries to other things in life too. address the things that you're garbage at your weak links and really magical things happen exponentially, you know? And it's, and I think the other thing that Keegan made mention with the body composition stuff, we're not huge at BTG, you know, Ben's done this where he says, look, like, thank the Lord we're in the movement game where we can say, Hey, look, like, we're not saying, you know, first of all, we all agree movement is great. You know, secondarily, we say, hey, look, if you've got structural stuff, we think our way is better than other ways, whatever. But like, we're not yelling off the rooftops. We're saying, hey, try our way. Cool. The thing that we don't push as hard on, and I know Ben's talked about this a lot, is like, we're not so religious about the nutrition. We all have opinions. We know what works for us and we know what works for a lot of significant athletes and clients. But that's not, we're not wading through that. One. That's not the war that, you know, none of us are dying on the hill of nutrition. People can ask us, we have opinions that, I mean, we all do. And I think we're all on a similar path of, uh, of, of what we think a, a good prescription should be, you know, from a optimality in life. And again, there's exceptions. However, I think Keegan's point about the body composition is actually an interesting weak link point. And that's something I learned from Charles is if you get someone leaner, you get an athlete leaner, they will be faster and more explosive. And I think part of your plan transformation, Ben, is that too. But I think it's secondary. It's not that you were trying to get lean. It's that you were trying to be structurally sound and by working really hard. And I think that's the thing. It's we lean into our weak links. Okay, we're going to dial in on nutrition too. And oh my God, look, there's less friction between the muscle cells. You know, that's from my understanding. And look at that. You move better. There's less inflammation, this kind of stuff. And I think Keegan's a huge example. Marcel's got a great physique. You guys all have great physiques. You guys inspire me. And it's one of those things that I think Keegan's right is that, you know, is it all nutrition? No, it's a lot of nutrition. But I actually think there's much more in movement and blood flow and, you know, quote unquote, hypertrophic gains that we get from hitting weak links and hitting muscle groups that most people neglect 
that then allows you to do harder work on the bigger things in a way that you're pain-free and you're not fighting your own body. And I think there's there's that's an interesting sort of secondary, but it's also a weak link because I think if we think about it, we all know there's an obesity epidemic, especially in the West, a lot of places in the world and, and moving in a way. And I think I was having this discussion, I think I was talking to a lot of the, the coaches in the, in the camps and saying, sometimes you see people post videos of someone doing a Patrick step up very, very low and the person is is pretty obese. And if you were to critique our system, you'd say, what are you doing? This person is clearly obese. They don't need a step up. That's so metabolically not challenging that that's not the best use of that person's time. My flip though is however to say, I beg to differ because if that person's in pain, of course, we're going to deal with nutrition if that person is paying us, you know, in whatever gentle coaching way we can and whatever levels that we can or not, and not saying there's like a one size fits all type thing. However, making that person's tendon, ligament, short range, that kind of stuff work better. And then they're in less pain in their knees means that we can then start to challenge them and push them harder with the bigger stuff. So I think one of those things is it's like, no, absolutely destroy that person. They need them as fat as fat as possible. These things take time. So I think helping people's joints feel better will allow for long-term success on these bigger things, which is a weak link that, you know, I think everyone's dealing with on different levels from a body composition point of view, but it's, I think it's there in ATG, but we don't yell it from the rooftops. It's sort of a, Hey, look, like if your joints feel better, you can start pushing harder and you can start making better choices nutritionally. Cause look at these wonderful things. You're not in as much pain. And we've seen some really significant transformations actually with a lot of our coaches where their feelings of pain subside because of the movements they're doing. And then they get motivated to actually clean up their nutrition and wonderful things happen on that aspect too. So it, I think it's a really cool thing that there's a cascade. We, we focus on the joint first and then other magical things can happen. Yeah. And if the body doesn't break down, you just wind up with a more active lifestyle. Yeah. Let's go for a walk tonight instead of taking the car. It's just, I just think it shifts the rest of your life, you know, more active lifestyle. So my conclusion on this topic, you're, you're not doomed to be the bad knee guy. You're not doomed to be the slow person, but you're going to get gains relative to how hard you work at your weakest links. So this is a different concept and it may sound bad to say you're going to have to work hard. The, the more, the higher I want to jump, the harder I'm going to have to work at my weak links. But I feel way better when I'm working hard. And I actually, I absolutely love doing quote unquote rehab exercises where I have no measurement. I'm not working hard. So I think that's pretty cool. You're not doomed to be the bad knee guy or the bad back guy or the bad shoulder guy or the bad Achilles guy. You're not doomed to be the unathletic one and you're not doomed. Maybe you're not too old. This stuff becomes so impactful. Now the fact like the amount of ATG years who are getting more athletic in thirties and forties is absurd to me. That's the coolest aspect of the whole thing is the fact that it's not just about winning a championship when you're 18, it could help. It could definitely help. We've seen it with high school sports teams. My football team, my coach, we had the most D1 scholarships in America per player. But I don't really care about that as much as the fact of, of that person being able to not break down in their 40s and be active with their kids. Not to mention how fun it is just to be able to be still a quality physical specimen as we get older. So that that's my conclusion is that the this whole weak links concept makes life a lot more, I mean, this is a weird journey of life. So might as well do it, you know, with a, with a more capable body and the weak links concept gives us 
gives us some shit we can work hard at. So Keegan, what's your conclusion on this? You, you definitely nailed a lot of what I, what I really believe in here and that, that expectation of excellence, expectation of athleticism for the long term. If you have that, then you're going to solve it. You're going to solve it one way or another. And I think that's what we all need. We need to aim higher. If you look back even 50 years ago, you know, if you've seen the the footage from the, the JFK time of the physical camps and you see young man after young man looking extremely athletic, there's no reason we can't, you know, go back to those times or create a new future of extremely athletic men. Uh, I think that's what we need to be aiming for and athletic truth and, and what you've done, your transformation, Ben, and the program that you put together has done more for man's athleticism than anything of the of the modern era it's just getting started and i think it's on every coach to own this in their own way and to bring more people along to have this expectation of athleticism become a normal thing for men again not to expect to be like homer simpson we've been confronted and almost all the sitcoms have this homer simpson type character or the al bundy or whatever it is let's leave that behind and let's expect replace that with this expectation for athleticism. And that means confronting the weak links. Sometimes that means making more money or making more time for yourself or, you know, there's other areas of weak links that you've encouraged us to to make changes in as well, Ben. You know, the the uh, pornography and the entertainment and the junk food, these are all things that you've set examples for thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of men to say, well, you know, what, what should I do with this? These are weak links, weak links as well. Um, so yes, we want to have these strong hips and strong shoulders and get ourselves running and dunking and, and experiencing the excellence of that. Um, but it should be a, it can be a life philosophy to take on those weak links and not be afraid to, to own the, the challenges that, that we've had in the past um, and to move past them. Like I think that's the, if anyone takes that out of today's podcast, then the world's becoming a better place. That's huge. I love that. Marcel? So I want to leave this podcast with people feeling very motivated to attack their weak links. You know, maybe maybe people have the mentality to start showing us some some rotators right now, and they'll leave just like God. I gotta yeah. get to this. <laughs> yeah. So, but like more along the lines of you know, a lot of maybe people take the mentality of like if I'm addressing weak links, I'm going to be lifting small weights. I consider myself to have a level of strength that is well beyond the norm and addressing my weak links not only does it make me stronger in those areas but it allows me to take tougher and harder training and have my body my body properly take it on and even get more physiological adaptations from it it's not just addressing the weak links you do that and then it effectively allows you to take on more advanced training with less chance of injury and better physiological adaptations. So go out there, attack these weak links. It's not just going to get the weak, li- weak links stronger. It's going to give you your ability to become even more athletic, a bigger, which you've covered, reserve of bulletproofing, and you'll be able to get even stronger than before. Heck yeah. That's a, that's a great closing point is we're training to be harder to break. And this is why I'm not ATG, but I am damn hard to break on a basketball court. And I can play hard. I know I can play harder, get lower, you know, and, and 
do more without breaking down compared to 99% of basketball players. And for me, that, I mean, how could I ever ask for that from training? It's amazing that I can get that from just strength training alone, plus basketball. But people should look into more stories of ATG and, and so many more of the stories of ATG will come out. So that's that's a killer point. Your guys' conclusions are amazing. Uh, Clairefield, send us home. What do, what do you get? It's the magic of the structural balance and these ideas that you can confront weak links with an actual recipe in the plan. That's, you know, to a certain extent, external to your own feelings and is objective. It's kind of a magical gift. I think the thing to think about that I like to tell people, is you're not so special and we're not so, none of us are that special. We are special emotionally or psychologically or intellectually, all that fun stuff. But from a physiological point of view, a knee's a knee, a shoulder's a shoulder. No one's that special. As long as you find the, where it is that you need to address how weak or how strong something is, it's just. I think that sort of takes the mystery out of it and says, oh, this is where I am looking at where you are on the spectrum of weak to strong on every joint or every, you know, metric. Then what you can do is that you can say, oh, I'm here. Cool. And then you can progress and then magical things happen. But realizing that you're not so special back to this identity thing. I'm a knee person. I'm a bad knee person. I'm a bad back person. Oh, I have bad shoulders. Like, no, as of now, this is where you are. And then on it and progress, you can become someone that doesn't remember that you have shoulder issues. And guess what? You'll have to think about yourself from a different identity. And so I think there's magic in realizing that you're not so special. A joint's a joint is just math. So just figuring out where you are on the spectrum and follow the recipe and really great things happen. It's not such a big deal. And I think that's the cool thing about it. It's a really big deal, but making it not such a big deal. I love it. So from Keegan, weak links is a philosophy for life from ourselves. Bringing up your weakest link makes it harder to break you. And from Ben Clairfield, you are not special. That's all, folks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>